chapter 1, verse 26. Six months after Elizabeth had become pregnant, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. Somebody say Gabriel. The angel went to a virgin, promised in marriage to Joseph. Somebody say Jojo. His name's Joseph. I'm just kidding. The virgin's name was Mary. Somebody say Mary. When the angel entered her home, he greeted her, and she was scared. She was startled. The angel told her, girl, don't be afraid. You have found favor with G-O-D. Somebody say G-O-D. You will become pregnant, give birth to a son, and name him Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. He will be a great man, and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor. Who? Your son will be king of Jacob's people forever, and his kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be? I'm going to pause right there. Verse 34, y'all go back and read your Bible. You need to talk to your parents about what it said in verse 34 because we're going to talk about it tonight. Okay, somebody say 35. The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come to you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the holy child developing inside of you will be called the son of G-O-D. Elizabeth, your cousin, it's your relative, but your cousin, is six months pregnant with a son in her old age. People said, in other words, they said. Somebody say, they said. Say it like you gossiping. They said, not T-H-D-E-Y, they. Say it one more time. They said. She couldn't have a kid, but nothing is impossible for our God. That is a good place to say amen. Mary answered, let everything you've said happen to moi. Our memory verse, Luke chapter 1, verse 37. I'm going to read it to you, and then you're going to read it out loud. For nothing spoken by God is impossible. For nothing spoken by God is impossible. On the count of three, I want you to read it. One, two, three, go. I think y'all put God before that, but let's try it one more time, okay? Right? Say it one more time. One, two, three, go. There we go. Okay, for the next few moments, I want to talk from a message titled, If You Say So. If You Say So. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, help us to trust, believe in, listen to, and obey whatever you say. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. You can grab a seat, grab a seat, grab a seat. Before we get started, I need you to look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, come on, look at your neighbor good. Look at him real good. Say, neighbor, we need to talk. Anybody ever get a text message like that and it caused immediate anxiety? Anybody ever get one of those? We need to talk. I bet y'all were scared as soon as y'all saw it. I ain't coming to church tonight, Pastor Will. If we need to talk, I'm not coming. It, I don't know what it does to people, but something about that phrase, we need to talk, causes this nervousness to come over us. But in this series, we're not just talking about how to talk to God. We're going to discuss how to hear from God. We're going to talk about how to tell people about God, why we need to obey God, why we need to trust what he says. And we're also going to learn how to talk to each other. Because guess what? We need to talk. Somebody say we need to talk. We need to talk because if we're honest, none of us really like that phrase. We really don't even like what comes after that phrase. But guess what? You're going to learn today because we Need to talk because according to the verses we just read, one thing seems to be true. It holds true. It is still true. It was true when he said it, and it is true today. No word from God will ever fail. When God speaks, is an important. It's so important that it was the first words in the Bible. It's actually the Bible actually starts with God said, and then they are followed up with the with the first attack against God's word. The first attack against God's word was actually a question of doubt, and the the question was this. Did God really say? This is why we're going to talk about in this message title, if you say so, because God's words matter. 
But we want you to know this. Number one, that God speaks. God speaks. God wants to speak to you. That's the second thing I want you to know. The third thing, and God is currently speaking to you right now. A question I could ask is, are you listening? And that's why we need to talk. And we need you to know that what God says, we need, we need to know what God says because his words won't fail. In fact, his words can't fail. God's word has to come to pass. Let me read some verses over you to tell you why. Isaiah 55, 11 says, the word that I speak, it will not fail to do what I plan for it. It will do everything I sent it to do. Matthew 24, verse 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Isaiah verse 40, chapter 40, verse 8, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God remains forever. Joshua 21, verse 45, not a single one of all the good promises the Lord had given was left unfulfilled. Everything he had spoken came true. Proverbs 30, verse 5, everything God says is true. In other words, your first point, and I want you to write this down, if God says so, it will be so. If God says so, it will be so. Why is that? Because if God said it, he meant it. If God said it, he's going to do it. And if God said it and it hadn't happened yet, guess what? It's going to happen. Because if God says so, it will be so. That's, you know what? That right there, I'm going to break that down a little bit. That's why we say amen. Let's practice right now. Somebody say amen. What does amen mean, Pastor Will? I'm glad you asked. It's going to be on the screen. Amen, amen means so be it. It means let it be so. It actually means I agree with that. I agree with that. Amen also means certainly or certainty. It means truth. It means verily. That is why we say it at the end of our prayers. That's what we're, what we're actually saying when we pray is certainly God can do what we're praying for. That is why we say it after we share a promise in God's word. We're saying, you know what, Pastor Will? That is true. And when we say amen, we're actually saying, if you say so, let it be so. We're saying, Pastor Will, I agree with that. When I pray over you after worship, when some of these leaders come and they pray for you and they say amen, whatever they're praying with you about, when they say amen, they're saying, in Jesus' name, let it be so. And that is actually what Mary said in verse 38. Let's go back and look at it. It says, let everything you've said happen to me. In other words, she said, amen, Lord. Let it be so unto me. She said, in other words, if you say so. Mary, you're going to be pregnant. I know you're a virgin, but the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and you're going to be pregnant with the Messiah. You're going to give birth to a holy child, and you're going to name him Jesus. And in Mary's words, if she was a little hood, which... I'm of the opinion that she could have been. I don't know. But she said to her because she found favor with God, let it be so unto me as you spoke. In other words, she said, amen. This is why talking back during the message is so important. It's not that you make me feel better about me. I don't, I don't care about you saying amen to me. It's not about you making me feel good about the message. It, you're saying it so that God can hear you say, I agree with that. I agree with your word. I agree with what's spoken over me. I agree with what preachers are saying over me. But it's also a good place for you not to say amen because they may say something that you don't agree with. Amen. That would have been a good place for you to say it then. And what's crazy is some of us, we grew up in church. Some of you hadn't. This is probably the first church home for you. But for some of you, you still don't believe it. So I'm going to give you some more Bible. Matthew, Matthew chapter 18, verses 19 and 20. Jesus says, I tell you this. If two of you agree, somebody say agree, here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. 
For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. If it was just two or three of us in the room right now, he is here among us. But what happens when we say amen, in other words, your amen on earth can bring forth your promise from heaven. I'm going to repeat that. Your amen on earth can bring forth a promise from heaven. Let me say it this way. Your collective amen together can help usher in the presence of God. When we say amen together, there's just something about a unified agreement where we touch and agree together for God's presence to come join into that. For where two or three gather in his name, he is there. His presence is on this planet. Just like what we call, I'm going to give you a big word, his incarnation. Somebody say incarnation. Raise your hand if you ever heard that word before. You put your hands down. Raise your hand if you know what that word means. Okay, cool. Thank you. I was just making sure I didn't want to say it and then assume. Incarnation is when God put on flesh. It's talked about in John chapter 1, verse 1 through 14. It says, in the beginning was God. And it, or, you know, that's Genesis, but in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and it goes through this whole thing, and it says, and then the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That Word becoming flesh is Jesus. So incarnation is when God put on flesh, when the Word of God put on skin and dwelt among us. It's when Emmanuel happened. Emmanuel means God with us. This is a powerful picture of God making the impossible possible for you and I. He's been doing this all throughout Scripture. And the coming of Jesus was not just an indication of God's desire to save us from sin. It was also an indication of God's desire to rescue us from regular, to save us from normal, to usher us out of ordinary into extraordinary and to experience the impossible just like he did for Mary. Because his word says nothing spoken by him is impossible. And if we're going to experience the the impossible, then it's time to, to stop talking regular. It's time for us to stop talking regular. We don't need to accept regular. We don't need to settle for regular. We don't need to bo- you don't need to box yourself into basic. I'm going to say it to you this way. Boxes are for things, not for people. I don't like a generation that puts, th- puts labels on themselves and puts themselves into boxes. God's word was given to us to experience the, po- the impossible because he said so. And we don't get to experience the impossible because we want to. We get to experience the impossible because we choose to. Point number two, you don't get the life you deserve. You get the life you decide. You don't get the life you deserve. You get the life you decide. The impossible is the result of decisions we we make to refuse regular. Because I want you to know this. I want you to know that mediocrity is not only an insult to God, it is sinful. Now, it's not sin. But it is sinful. Pastor Will, what do you mean by that? This is what you do when you you settle for mediocrity. It is for you to be aware that you can do more, be more, and not choose more. And it's when you say to God that he should have taken the ability he gave you and gave it to somebody else who would have done more with it. When you settle for mediocrity. But I believe I'm talking to some people who say not today, Satan. Because if, it ha- if God said so, then it will be so in my life. People who don't want to live the life they deserve, they want to live the life they decide. And I believe there are some young people in here that are going to decide that I want a life of impossible. If you believe that, say amen. We don't experience the impossible because we desire to. We experience the impossible because we decide to. Now, I'm going to pause right here and let you know. Now, if you're satisfied with part of what God has for you, you have permission right now for the rest of the service to play Temple Run. 
protect your friends. Get on Instagram, scroll on social media, get lost in your social media feed. But if you want more, if you want the impossible to happen in your life, if you want everything God has for you, I need you to write this next one down. You need the faith to wait. You need the faith to wait. We talked about this before, and, you know, faith will cause you to do some crazy things. Micah, faith will cause you to do some strange stuff. Faith will cause you to talk to yourself. I'm for real. Your friends be crazy. They be saying all kind of crazy stuff to you. And then you got to talk to yourself because your friends are wild, but you're not wild because you're sane, but they're insane. So you got to talk to your faith will cause you to do some crazy things. But not only that, faith will cause you to wait. Because you're holding on expectantly to a promise with anticipation. If you want to experience the the impossible in your life, you need more than strong faith. You need long faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And I want to tell you that faith isn't just how big I believe. Some of you got big faith. You really believe for big things. But faith is also how long can I believe? Because God doesn't test our faith with the impossible. Listen to this. He tests our faith with how long we can wait. He wants to see how long you can wait. And I believe that's why one of the many desires that uh, Satan tries to tempt us with is this thing called instant gratification. Because we want everything instantly. We like microwave stuff. We like hot pockets and, you know, quick meals. We, we get upset when our drink order takes too long at Mural City or, you know, when we're in the, you know, Chick-fil-A line because, you know, they're all about speed. We just get upset real fast because we like everything now. If you don't believe me, let me give you some Bible that you have an issue with waiting, but why you need to faith, why you need to wait. James chapter one verse three says, "The testing of your faith produces patience." Second Peter chapter three verse nine: The Lord isn't slow about keeping His promises, as some people think He is. In fact, God is patient because He wants everyone to turn from sin and no one to be lost. Nobody likes to hear the word wait. Nobody. If I told you right now. You came up to me and you said, if I had, if I had every, if I had, uh, you know, this unimaginable amount of money at my disposal, and I just said, I was going to give you a piece of what I had. And you came up to me and you said, Pastor Will, I want my, it's my money and I want it now. You came up to me and was like, Pastor Will, give me $10. And I looked at you and I said, wait. Most of you were like, I ain't waiting for nothing. Because we don't like to wait. But I am also of the opinion that God speaks to us usually in three ways. Yes, no, and wait. Wait. So I want to ask you tonight, do you have the faith to wait? We're in a new year. I know you got the faith to start. We just ended 2022. I know you got the faith to finish. But now that we're past 2022, we're into 2023. We've already started 2023. I want to know, do you have the faith to wait? story we read earlier shows us how to wait. We are eavesdropping on a conversation that Mary is having with an angel. She has just received the announcement that it, what is called the Immaculate Conception, where the Holy Spirit burst, puts, puts Jesus inside of her. She is receiving a child without intimacy. And we notice in the story that Mary doesn't get a baby first. What does she get first? The first thing she gets is a word. Somebody say a word. This is why we need faith to wait. Please write this down. God's word comes before God's promises. God's word comes before God's promises. What do you mean by that, Pastor Will? The word about peace comes before peace. You got to read it in the Bible. The word about provision comes before provision. 
The word about healing comes before healing. The word about blessing comes before blessing. The word victory comes before the battle. You got to learn to trust the word before you get the promise. And it takes faith to wait because God's word always comes before God's promise. But if you can trust that a word from, I need you to trust this, that a word from God is just as good as a fulfillment from God. That if he told you he's going to heal your family, that he's going to use you to preach the gospel, that he's going to change some things in your life. If he told you that, I promise you he will do it. Because if he said so, it'll be so. He's a man of his word. The Bible says that he's not a man that he should lie. She receives a word. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 34, Mary asked the angel, how can this be so? Anyways, Mary is saying, what you're saying is logically impossible, angel, Gabriel. I know you're up there in, in, you know, in heaven, and y'all singing, holy, 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 and you came down here. You stopped your soundtrack on repeat to come down here and talk to me, and I get it, but I don't get how that's going to happen. And I believe this story proves this about God. Please write this down. God doesn't need what is, imp- what God doesn't need what is possible to do what is impossible in your life. God doesn't need what is possible to do the impossible in your life. He looks at what is possible in your life and says, I don't need that. I don't need what you think I need to do what I want to do in your life. Luke 18, 27 also says what is impossible with man is possible with God. God looks at impossible situations and he says, that's good because I'm possible. He looks at them and says, I'm able. He doesn't look at them and say, oh, you're not able to do it. He says, that's good. You need to depend on me to trust me to do what only I can do because you can't do this by yourself. So Gabriel explains to her how it's going to happen. Verse 35, the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come, come to you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy Child developing inside of you will be called the Son of God. You know, Gabriel, he could have said this. I'm going to call him Gabe. You know, you know, Gabe, and I think this is, you know, one of the archangels that everybody talks about, like he's going to be taking demons out at the end of the, you know, end of the age and all that other stuff. You should really read your Bible. But Gabe, uh, Gabe could have said, you know what, you're right. You're right, Mary. In every other situation, you would have needed to have someone else to get this result. But in this case, I'm telling you, you don't need that. All you need is faith. Somebody say faith. I believe God is saying to us. That he doesn't need what we think is important to do what is impossible in our life. Verse 36, Elizabeth, your relative, your cousin, is six months pregnant with a son in her old age. People said she couldn't have a child, but nothing is impossible for God. Elizabeth was this word that we use called barren. She was unable to have children. So why does he tell her this? He was trying to convince her that God doesn't need what is possible to do what is impossible. He was trying to convince her that God doesn't need those things. He just needs her to have faith to wait and believe for the impossible because he brought it out in her cousin Elizabeth. He wants her to see what is he wants her to see what is possible for her by doing what is impossible in Elizabeth. I believe that's what God wants to do in us. I believe God wants to show you what is possible in your life by doing what is impossible in your friend's life. God wants to show you what is possible in your life by showing you what is impossible in our lives. That is how he works, because if he said so, it'll be so. Number six, please write this down as we're getting ready to close. God isn't showing you what he's done. He's showing you what he can do. If Jesus wanted to give us history lessons, that's what the Bible would be. It would be a history book. That's all it would be. 
But he's not doing this to give us historical record, to show us all the things that he's done before. He's showing us what he still can do. He wants to prove to you that he still can do the impossible in your life. But please hear me, though. The devil wants us to be jealous of what we should be inspired by. I get it. You know, some of us, you're like, well, Pastor Will, I can't believe God did it in their life. They don't even go to church. It seems like God keeps blessing them, Pastor Will, but I know how they live. I know all the things that they tell me, and I, I'm just getting frustrated that God will bless them. And I read my Bible. I come to church. I give the speed of light. I'm here on Sunday mornings. I'm in the student section. I'm trying to serve. I want to go through grow track. I want to do all the things that, are, that God is calling me to do. But he seems to be blessing other people and not blessing me. It's just like the devil to try to make you jealous of what you should be inspired by. He wants you to look at other people's lives, other people's miracles, to make you feel small, neglected, invisible, and insignificant. He wants you to feel overlooked like, you, like you're just not seen. But God is showing you the impossible so that you will be inspired and led to say what Mary said, God, if you say so, let it be so. Verse 38, may it happen to me according to your word. Look at your neighbor right now. Just look at him real good one more time. This will be the last time. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm inspired. Say, I'm inspired. I want to know. You ain't even got to say this. Look back up here at me. You need, you need to look at your neighbor or go home or text them. And you need to start saying things like this. I want to know everything that God is doing in your life. I want you to tell me what God is doing in your life. I want to know about the miracles you're experiencing. I want to know what God is talking to you about. What dreams he's showing you in, in your sleep. What are you currently hearing God say when you read your Bible in the morning and at night? I want to see the miracles he's doing because it motivates me to believe that he can do the same thing for me. God told Mary something about Elizabeth so that she could learn something about him. God told Mary something about Elizabeth so that Mary could learn something about him. That's how he works. God tells me things so that I could come and tell you so that you can learn something about God. And that's what all these other leaders do. That's what our pastors do on Sunday morning. God tells me something so I could come and tell you so you can learn something about him because that's how good he is. I get it, though. I get it. We get frustrated because of all the things that's happening. All the issues that we seem like are surrounding us, like we're in the middle and we're drowning and it's so much that we don't have the faith to wait. But let me tell you what Mary didn't say. Mary didn't say this. She didn't say, I understand. <laughs> Gabe didn't come to her and she was like, I get it. She didn't say, you know what, that makes sense, but I don't believe it. She didn't say, I, I know what you're talking about. She didn't say that. She just said, if you say so. Somebody say, if you say so. She realized this, and I want you to say this. Come on, say this with me. Say, if you said it, I believe it. If you said it, I receive it. If you said it, then you mean it. And I really, really need it. Lastly, I want you to write this down. You don't have to understand God's ways to believe his word. You don't have to understand God's ways to believe his word. You don't have to understand God's ways to experience his goodness. 
His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. You don't have to understand his ways to experience the fullness of his word. Understanding is not required, but faithful obedience is. Listen, I've been doing this almost uh, right at a, a decade, I think, Lindsay, or somewhere around there. I don't understand everything in the Bible. I don't. But I believe it. And I obey it. I don't have to understand to obey. And that's where we need to get to. We do not have to understand God's ways to believe his word. Mary gave God's word the ultimate authority in her life. And she let his word be the final word over what she expects to be true in her life. And we can learn a lot from Mary. I know we just came out of Christmas. You may even read this story. You may have read the Christmas story. But I believe Mary wanted to show us something in our life about why we need to continue to hold God to his word. I don't know about you, but I choose to believe that no weapon formed against me will prosper. Because if he said it, then he meant it. If he said so, it'll be so. And every tongue that rises up in judgment, it will, it will be condemned. I don't understand how, but God, if you say so. I believe this, that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I don't understand it, but God, if you said so, it'll be so. I believe this, my enemies will come against me one way, but they will flee from me seven ways. I don't understand how, but if God said so, it'll be so. This year is going to be the best year of your life, and I don't know how, but if God said so, it'll be so. Somebody say, if you say so. The last thing I want you to notice is that God spoke to Mary one time. One time. That's it. He spoke to her one time. Every other word he spoke was to Joseph. Every other word, every other statement, every other sentence he spoke to Joseph. God never repeated himself to Mary. Not one time. Mary lived the kind of life that says one time is enough. One time is enough. She got one word, and for nine months, for nine months, she held on to that word. Some of us, we can't wait nine minutes, but for nine months, she held on to that word. She said, God, if you said so, it'll be so. If you say I'm going to be pregnant with the Messiah, if you said so, let it be unto me according to your word. I don't know what God said to you. I don't know what you heard. I don't know when you heard it. But if God said it, one time is enough. And he doesn't need to repeat himself because if he said so, it'll be so. If he said it one time, that's all you need. And I'm not going to lie to y'all. During the waiting season, uh, I'm going to get a little ghetto. I be needing some more words during the waiting season. Because during 2022, we told y'all, we told y'all that we were believing for 100 by the end of the year. I'm still believing for it. But during the waiting season, I'd be needing some more words. And it's like, during that time, I'm like, all right, God, you, I feel like you spoke to our leaders at camp. You spoke to me. You gave me some visions and showed me some stuff. You're speaking to our students. You're speaking to our interns. God, I need to see it. And, and I just feel like I was reminded in reading this story, one time is enough. Will, you're supposed to be a man of faith. One time is enough. God, if you say so, let it be so in my life.